0: Shalom mishpacha, Shalom family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And <laughs> we're the mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where slice the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, mishpacha, to blow the grandest shofar, Oh the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Well, one day, you know, a lot of things that when I prepare for teaching, I'm not really preparing for teaching. I'm doing it for my own benefit. And uh, so one day I started writing the various ways I've learned over after 40 years of studying the supernatural. People have been healed. And you know what? There are so many different ways that it proves the point. You just can't put God in a box. Uh, You have to follow the Holy Spirit when it comes to healing. However, there are certain principles that work. And I believe that as I share these principles that I've learned over the past 40-plus years, that one or more is going to just click with you. And you're going to manifest your healing. In fact, at any point while I'm speaking, many of you are going to have major miracles happen in your life. Right, right now as I'm speaking, someone's back and neck has just been healed. And uh, if you have a headache, all the pain is gone from that area. This is what I know. When God tells me something and I proclaim it, I may not see it with my eyes, because keep in mind, in eternity, there's no time. So as far as God's concerned, it's happened. But there is a set time for everything. And so I used to proclaim, because I knew it, that these, and and if you talk to any of my staff members, they'll tell you this is true. Every time we do a television shoot, I say, this is the best shoot ever. And guess what's happened? Time has been compressed, and every shoot we have now is the best shoot ever. Uh, Well, God spoke to me, actually, uh, this morning. And he told me to proclaim something. You see, I've always been hungry for the supernatural. Even before I was a believer in the Messiah, I just didn't know the difference between the good supernatural and the bad supernatural. Uh, But God told me to start proclaiming this morning two things. This morning he said, there is a move of God at messianic vision, at its supernatural. You see, I have gone to these various revivals around the world, but wouldn't it be wonderful if you can get the same presence of God on your cell phone when you watch the It's Supernatural television network or the It's Supernatural television show as if you went to one of these places where there is literally it is it's almost a a, a a a glory cloud in these places well there there are many places like that and there'll be many more between now and the time the messiah returns but i believe we're commissioned to have a move of god right at this facility, everyone that's working on the cameras, on the sound, uh, on every aspect of the ministry, everyone that's praying for the ministry, everyone that's supporting the ministry is going to be moving. Everyone that's viewing this is going to be moving in the glory of God. I also believe we, actually if you had eyes to see, we are at the great awakening Everyone's looking at the news and they're moaning and they're groaning. I'm looking at the great awakening that is coming to the world. I don't have time for those other things. Well, I want to talk about what I feel were the greatest nuggets that I've learned after all of these years of studying the supernatural of God. If I had to pick one, you know, what would be number one, and then the rest are not rated by the, the first best, the second best, etc. But here's the best. Humility. <laughs> My wife used to teach a lot on that, and she said, it's not an area people want to hear about. In fact, I, I heard a story that Joyce Meyer had a, a book or a CD, and the title was Humility, and no one bought it. So she changed the title, and then people bought it. Uh, but it, it's a tragedy. Humility, I, I have a friend, and you know what, every time I talk to him, he used to get me so upset. You know what, he, he would always say, I'm nothing. And I come from uh, Word of Faith type teaching, which says, and but the, but the Bible says this, that I am the righteousness of God in Messiah Jesus, and positionally I am. But I have come to my senses that he was right and I am wrong that I am nothing and God is everything because anything I have is worth nothing compared to everything God has. And if I am nothing, then God can yield through me 100%. And guess who gets the praise? God gets the praise. Gets gets, Gets who gets the glory? God gets the glory. I'm reminded of a woman that I had the privilege of meeting. Uh, Catherine Coleman, as far as I'm concerned, she had the greatest miracle ministry I've ever witnessed with my eyes. I, I still can envision her calling people out, saying, You're seated about here, you have this physical condition wrong with you. Uh, and and they, so many people would be healed. But here's the part that I remember about her when she was backstage, before she would come out to the audience. She would be praying for all she was worth. And she wouldn't even come out to the audience until the Holy Spirit was there. And she would say, I'm nothing. Please don't. She wouldn't say the word, I'm nothing. But she'd say, please don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I have. As if to say, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up at my meeting, I have nothing to give you. And the difference is, She came to her senses... Some of us, it took us longer to come to our senses. I guess the more talent you have, the more natural gifting you have, the more difficult it is to come to your senses. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about that. Uh, It's hard for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of heaven because they're entirely dependent on themselves. Well, I want to be entirely dependent on God and I've come to my senses and it's not I want to be, I recognize that I am. And it's about time that you recognize that you, that you are. Now, true humility is to walk in, and this is very important, instant forgiveness. Why do I say instant forgiveness? The longer you wait to forgive someone, the more difficult it is. So, you're smart. The instant someone offends you, you forgive them, but you say they don't deserve it. But that's not the option, because uh, this is what the Bible says in Mark 11, verse 25 and 26. Whenever you stand praying, if you have, and and look how inclusive this is, if you have anything against anyone, I think that includes everything, anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. But you can say, I don't feel like forgiving them. It's just your flesh. You see, if it's based on a feeling, then you have reason to say, God, I have a problem. I don't feel like forgiving them. But it's not based on a feeling. It's based on a decision. Your decision is, I want to be a God pleaser. Therefore, I must forgive that person. Therefore, I forgive them. Now, if you forgive them, does that mean you have to trust them? No, it's total forgiveness. But after they betrayed you, they have to earn your trust. But forgiveness is a decision. So don't you dare tell me you can't do it. You, and again, you might say, well, they don't deserve it. You don't know the awful things they did. Well, if you only knew the awful things you did, you, you know some of them. You don't know all of them. And guess what? Jesus died for you 2,000 years ago before you even asked Jesus to forgive you. He died for you. And w- before that person comes to you and says, please forgive me. And then you say, oh, well, okay, I'll forgive you. No, you forgive them before they humble themselves. I mean, you are to humble yourself. You are to walk in true humility. Do you know what? If you do what I'm telling you, you'll be free. I heard a wise man say once, uh, unforgiveness is drinking the poison you want your enemy to drink. It's stupid. And one of the best ways of getting healed that I have found is to forgive everyone of everything. Sound familiar? I just read it in Mark 11:25 25, and uh, 26. Um, the second key and you don't hear enough talk about this and based on way the way i see the country uh is right now it seems as though you can get a large church and a large television ministry if you don't talk about these things well i'll tell you what i would rather have a large reward in heaven rather than anything large this world has to offer how about you uh 1 Corinthians. Now, let me start with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Uh, You don't hear this, but (laughs) you hear it, and to much is given, much is required. Pursue holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You know what I believe that means? If you're not walking in biblical holiness, you won't even see the Lord in this life, let alone when you leave this life. That's serious business. How would you like to see the Lord in this life? I have a promise for you. It says, without holiness you won't see the Lord. I believe with holiness you will see the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 explains some of biblical holiness. It's a difference. Biblical holiness is not so much an external thing, it's an internal thing. It's not so much wearing a tattoo I wouldn't want to wear a tattoo simply because it would be offensive to some people. Uh, and I don't want to offend anyone. But that's got nothing to do with holiness. That's not what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. That's a pretty strong word. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators... Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone out there interested in being in the kingdom of God now and inheriting the kingdom of God? Well, I mean, you can't get any more specific than that. And I hear something, and I don't even understand. Well, I do know where it came from the pit of hell. And that is morality changes with the times and the customs and the mores and the traditions no god says i change not god says i'm the same yesterday today and forever so if you want to change it then you are your own god please don't call the god of abraham isaac and jacob your god biblical morality means you're not involved in homosexuality It means you're not living together before being married. It means you're not having sex outside of marriage. It means you're not murdering children in the womb. You know, if you read the Bible in the Old Testament, one of the great sins of society, in the Jewish society of all societies, was sacrificing children to false gods. Well, when you murder a child in the womb, Now, I know there's some exceptions for uh, medical causes, but the major reason is you're bowing down to a a God of self-centeredness. You're bowing down to a God of pleasure. Uh, New Age, don't hear much talk about that. Uh, Reincarnation is part of New Age, the belief that you keep coming back until you get perfect. Oh, I'm so glad of that scripture that I started with I'm the righteousness of God and Messiah Jesus which means when God looks at me I am as righteous as Jesus in his sight and I can't get any more righteous but I will work out my salvation with fear and trembling and I will tell you the book of Hebrews says you live once and then the judgment so no reincarnation is uh, is a ridiculous Hindu concept Um, Fortune telling, psychics. Read Deuteronomy chapter eighteen; it lists them. Lists all these new age things. Uh, pornography. I read the statistics; it's overpowering. How many? You see, you start out with pornography in the flesh, and if you do it long enough, you'll have a familiar spirit or a demon helping you, and then it gets out of, out of your control. Uh, anything anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish. Anti Israel. You see, basically, biblical holiness is you want to please God, you know what pleases God by reading the Bible. It's real simple. Now, in addition to living in instant forgiveness, there's another instant you should be living in. You should be living in instant repentance. You see, the Bible, written to believers, some would have you think that you confess your sins once and it takes care of everything forever. Uh, But this was written to believers, so that'll get rid of that uh, dumb apologetic. 1 John 1.9 says to believers, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, I like that word, all unrighteousness. You say, Sid, what about grace? I say, I can't do it without grace. Grace is God's enabling power for you to get free of your addiction or whatever is controlling you. Uh, I'll tell you something else that I learned as a young believer. The Word of God is like a sword. It's so powerful. I found that when I was tempted in a particular area, I would say the Word of God out loud, and whatever was tempting me would just dissipate in the atmosphere it just disappear for instance there's, it's not a sin to have a lustful thought it's a sin to ponder it and act upon it so the minute that you see it, the, the, the lustful thought could come from some spirit in the atmosphere so you have a lustful thought you take the a sword the word of God and you say blessed are the pure in heart blessed i want to be blessed and the minute i would say that that thought would just choo, disappear but i had to say it out loud find a scripture for the particular temptation that this demonic entity or just your flesh is coming against you and and, and you'll see <laughs> you'll see it really works and and then um and and speaking of these spirits not all sickness is healed by a prayer of healing. At least a third of Jesus's ministry was casting out demons. And so you have the authority. You find out if, it's, if, it's, if the cause is demonic, uh, repent of the sin that opened it, if you know it, and command that spirit in Jesus' name to leave. And here's a tip that I found out. If it doesn't leave at first, keep commanding. I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Every day, even an hour a day. And I'll tell you what, the demon can't take the heat. Eventually, when you resist the devil, he must flee. And the word flee means run as in terror. So, I have something very wonderful available for you today. It's called the Healing Scriptures. And I am so pleased with the way God developed this. You see, I did something like I'm doing right now. I created something for myself. I started uh, listing from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelations, scriptures on healing. And then I looked them up in different translations to find the best translation of that particular scripture. And then I personalized those scriptures. And then I wrote them on my iPad. And that's what THE HEALING SCRIPTURES BOOK IS ALL ABOUT. YOU CAN TAKE THESE SCRIPTURES AND YOU CAN READ THEM OUT LOUD And as you read them out loud, you're literally meditating on the Word of God, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And as you meditate on the Word of God, it's internalized inside of you, and you will believe in your heart. And guess what? We'll explain that in a few minutes. That's biblical faith. But you'll not only have the Scriptures to read, but worked into the Scriptures, and they're all personalized, so you can't usually do this. Uh, with a regular bible, but it 's all uh, as if you're personally praying this for yourself, uh but we have another section in the book Questions and Answers about healing," and another section in the book it 's called real people real healing uh, uh, here 's an a, a example of a testimony there 's such power in the testimony. He cured me from cancer. all of my doctors Sam a miracle, so like every few pages you 'll read a testimony like that in addition to the book in this amazing kit that we have. We have two CDs. The first is the same scriptures that you read from this book, but under I'm reading them with the anointing God has put on my voice. And underneath my voice of the same scriptures you're reading in the book, you can read it out loud in the book as I'm reading it if you want, or you could just listen as you're driving, uh, is the most anointed violin playing of Israeli Hebraic music. The anointing is so strong. Uh, just on on, on LaDonna La Taylor, uh, that's who's the musician, the anointing alone <laughs> would get you healed. And we also have a second CD in which it's the best teaching I've ever given on healing and so this whole kit is available to you for investment of $25 I say investment because any profits are poured into Jewish ministry and that's another thing I've been saying you know you say what god says believe it in your heart it's going to happen I have been saying this is a set time to favor Zion. I have been saying this is the time the Jewish people are coming to the Messiah. And guess what? In my life, it's been happening. If it hasn't been happening in your life, I hope the light bulb is going on. And I'll be right back after this word. Call our order only line 1-800-447-2697. 447 2697 Hello, Sid Roth here with something more. I've been talking about the uh, healing scriptures. I call it the healing scriptures experience package. Uh, And uh, uh, this was put together for me personally. And then it was so beneficial, I decided I wanted you to take advantage of it. So is what I'm teaching on. I am teaching on, after the past 40 years, what were the 10 best ways I have heard to help people manifest their healing or pray for other people and so I'm at point number three now practicing the presence of God and you have to talk about brother Lawrence do you ever read that little booklet of his Uh, he was a monk you know what his job was at the monastery washing dishes do you know that he was so joyful he loved cleaning and washing dishes or doing anything. He was so fascinated with the presence of God. And guess what? He was so fascinated that God was fascinated with him. And God was so fascinated with him that God's presence was all over him. And people of high authority would come from the four corners of the of, of the area that he lived in just to be in his presence. because. And you know what? He didn't have anything that you can't have as a believer in the Messiah that I can't have as a believer in the Messiah. Psalm 16.8 tells us about David, King David. He had this. And l- listen to what David wrote. I mean, I could ponder on this this whole session uh, and, and then I may not get through all 10 points. Uh, but it's Psalm 16.8 in the Amplified. And this is what David said. And I believe it's instructions for us. I have set the Lord continually before me. Now he didn't say the Lord is continually before me. He said, I have set the Lord. I I can imagine he's almost, God, I can't see you, but I am acknowledging that you are right here at my side. I have set the Lord, not when I think about it, I have set the Lord. Continually before me, you get it. Be so conscious of God that He is continually before me. But when you, when David said, "I've set Him there," that means I'm aware that He is continually uh, before me, because He is at my right hand. This David's speaking. I shall not be moved, and that makes sense. If God is for you, <laughs> who can be against you? Now, in this presence of god and practicing the presence of god is a word called fellowship and i found this word in a very strange place in the hebrew in isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 you, you're familiar with it by his stripes we are healed if you look up the word stripes in the hebrew do you know what one of the meanings of stripes is fellowship by his fellowship we are healed you see how important when you're in his presence all things are possible your objective is to be more cognizant that you are continuously in his presence he is continuously at your right you are never alone i will never leave you or forsake you you're beginning to get it the light bulb going on here's your job description I'm talking to myself every time I talk to you. You know what I'm doing. i got one finger pointing at you, one finger pointing at God, and three fingers pointing at myself when I do this. Here's our job description. I want you to get so close to God that you will be enveloped in his glory. And come to the point of coming to your senses, there is nothing this world offers that'll trump being in God's presence, basking in His glory. There's no sporting event, no sexual event, no power event. Nothing this world has to offer compared to being in literally a cylinder of God's light. That's my goal. I want that to be your goal also. The fourth key. I want you to meditate on the covenant promises of God. These are covenant promises. This is God standing behind the word. Joshua one eight. The Amplified says, "This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth." Very important. Let it not. Let not not, not the opposite come out of your mouth. This law. Oh, and the word law in the Hebrew has a a little better meaning than the word law in the English. It's instructions. Let this book of instructions not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely, and then you shall have good success. The Hebrew word meditate is different than what most people think. The word meditate in Hebrew is mumble or mutter God's word out loud. That's why I love the Healing Scriptures book. That's what you're doing. You're personalizing it. That's the, this is the best way I know to meditate. You're personalizing it. You're saying it out loud. You're saying the best translation uh, from the viewpoint of getting your healing. Um, so Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing. That's why we have the CD here. So you can hear and hear in the same order, the same translation, the same personalization with that beautiful anointed violin behind you. Um, You believe by meditating before you pray. You see, you don't get something by meditating you meditate till you believe it uh, it's sort of like uh well second said not like it is second corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 says i believed i believe first therefore why therefore it's therefore because i believed okay i believed therefore i spoke it's like having an apple and cutting the apple in half uh, and here's the two halves of the apple in the amplified mark 11:23 whoever says to this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart but le- believes that what he says will take place it will be done for him so what are the two halves of the apple one to say it saying it isn't enough that's the first step meditating isn't enough that's the first step but by saying or meditating you believe in your heart so you first meditate to believe and then you speak the prayer now you've got the two halves of the apple together mark 11:23 uh, i just read now have you ever heard this because it's a truth if you tell a lie long enough the mind is, is you know, they, they, they used to think the mind didn't change. They're wrong. The latest scientific data disproves this. Our mind can change. You see, what you do is you form neural passageways in your mind. So if you believe a lie as a child and say it long enough, you believe that's you. Like, let's suppose someone says, oh, you're very, you're a male, you're very feminine, you're feminine. Well, you believe that lie. You believe it long enough and say it long enough, a neural passageway, your brain changes. You have a neural passageway that says you're a homosexual. Well what they found is, you can build new neural passageways the same way you did the first time with a lie. You take the truth. Now what is the highest truth in the world? The Word of God. God, you're so brilliant. You see how what you're doing. You're forming new neural passageways where you believe with all of your heart. But the first step is to meditate to form those new uh, neural passageways. The book of Hebrews talks about the Word of God. Hebrews 4:12. The Word of God is living. Do you know the Word of God is alive? I went to a place called the CIA. You've all heard of the CIA culinary institute of america (laughs) i I knew i'd get you Uh, but i really went there and there really is a place where they teach you to be chefs etc regular college and i heard something i guess because i don't cook much uh i heard something i never knew before uh you know what leaven or yeast is and the bible has a lot to say about leaven or yeast i didn't know this but yeast is alive it's a living organism And that's why Jesus said that his word is like leaven or his word is like yeast. It's alive and it'll permeate the entire loaf. And in the natural, that's what's happened. In the supernatural, that's what's happening to you. It's permeating your whole body. It's alive. The word of God is living, Hebrews 4.12. Luke 13, verse 20 and 21, Jesus said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven or yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Let me give you the best example I know of this. Uh, As you know, I come from an Orthodox Jewish background. Uh, The rabbis are very unhappy when I say both my mother and my father uh, were Jewish. Uh, I say were because they're in heaven right now, um, and and so uh, my mother to protect me after I became an outspoken believer in the Jesus and in Jesus and had a bad relationship with my dad over that for obvious reasons, I would go around when I would speak for groups and I would say pray for my father, I believe he's going to be a believer, and then I don't know how it happened, but then I started saying. My, my father will be a believer. And I so believed it that one day I said it to my mother before he was a believer. I said, Dad is going to be a believer. and My mother said, no, don't say that. She was saying that to protect me. She was a good Jewish mother. She knew he'd never be a believer, but it was too late. I already had that ingrained in my my head. I had a neural passageway and in my heart, uh, and, and I knew he would be a believer. And guess what? On his deathbed, he said with his own mouth, I make Jesus my Messiah and Lord, and he would have never said that if that... Leaven had and gold, the word of God, the living word, the the the, the yeast hadn't gone through at every fiber of my being. You could not talk me out of the fact that my father was going to be a believer. And you can't talk me out of the fact that every man is a liar and God's word is true. And I'm telling you, people are being healed right now. Uh, there, there are blockages in, in your breathing. You're being healed now. Backs are being healed, spines, necks. Uh, I, I'm telling you, almost every pain you have in your body, every pain you have in your body, anything you need, it's yours right now. Uh, Didn't I tell you this was going to be the best shoot ever? (laughs) Okay, Uh, the fifth. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I got ten of them for you and I could have even kept going. Uh, But would you like to know the secret to Billy Graham's success? I mean, you go anywhere in the world and you know You say evangelist, they say Billy Graham. Well, I found the secret because I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I went to the Billy Graham Museum, and I saw the secret there. Uh, The secret, and, and let me, in his own words, Billy said, I quote, I had some young theologian friends who were expressing their doubts about the authority of the Bible. I began wondering if the Bible could be trusted completely. I began to study the subject intensely. I walked out in the moonlight, my heart heavy. I was so burdened, I dropped to my knees and opened my Bible on a tree stump. If the issue were not settled soon, I knew I could not go on. There's Billy Graham speaking. Oh God, I prayed, there are many things in this book I do not understand. But God, I'm going to accept this book as your word by faith. I'm going to allow my faith to go beyond my intellect and believe that this is your inspired word. From that moment on, I have never doubted God's word. When I quote the Bible, I believe I'm quoting the very word of God, and there's an extra power in it. Another man said it this way. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I, You know what? When Billy Graham pulled that switch, that's what he did. He said, I'm going to believe God's Word. No matter. I remember the day I pulled that switch. Brand new believer. I just was rescued from the new age. I just was rescued by an encounter with Jesus. I went walking in the woods one day in the park, and a church had a bazaar, a book bazaar, and they had a bunch of books piled up and so I went to the book table I thought maybe I'll find something good and I pull a book from the very bottom hundred reasons why Jesus is not the Messiah it was too late I already knew he was the Messiah I just tossed it that's the when Billy Graham pulled that switch let every man be a liar but God's word is true I want you to pull that switch right now let every man be a liar but God's Word is true. I've been talking on something more about this wonderful Healing Scriptures Experience package. You get the book. You get the scriptures that I've done all the research for. Uh, you, uh, you get the two CDs. Uh, I mean, I wish I'd had this as a new believer, but I didn't. But you don't have to wish. You can get this as a new believer. It was created just for you. And when I come back, have I got something more for you. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. one 447 2697 Sid Roth with something more. And I don't know about your faith, but my faith is... Just zooming right now. Uh, now I, I I said I was summing up Billy Graham's faith. God said it, I believe it. That settles it. You have to be one hundred percent convinced that Jesus died for your sins, and of course you are. Well, the same reason you're convinced Jesus died for your sins, one hundred percent, not ninety-nine point nine, and it gets you saved. You have to be 100% convinced Jesus died for your sicknesses and your pains. And Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3 should settle it for you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. See, there it is, all, A-L-L. Who heals all, A-L-L, your diseases. Why does he do this? I I believe the best place is Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2.24. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs. But in the Hebrew, the word grief means sicknesses. Surely. Can you get any stronger than that? Surely. For sure. For sure. For sure. Sure. He has borne your sicknesses. That means he carried. Nasa is the Hebrew word. He carried it away. Uh, it's like on the scapegoat. They say he, the scapegoat, they put the sins on the scapegoat, and the scapegoat bore, NASA bore it away, took it away. If they took it away, then I don't have those sins anymore. If they took it away, then I don't have those pains anymore, those sicknesses. And it's summarized in 1 Peter 2.24 by whose stripes you were healed. Uh, you see, uh, going to Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, it says, by his stripes we are healed. Uh, 1 Peter 2.24 was afterwards, after Jesus died and rose from the dead. By his stripes you were healed. It's already happened. Surely he has carried our griefs in the Hebrew sickness. Surely he has carried our sorrows in the Hebrew Pains. He carried away all of your pains. He carried away all of your sicknesses. A L L. But what about Paul? He had a thorn. Uh, he had a a, a a thorn in the flesh. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And I also remember the anointed understanding of what he had. Second Corinthians, chapter twelve, verse seven to ten. A thorn in the flesh, this is Paul speaking. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. What was that thorn in the flesh? An eye disease? No, it says what it was. A messenger of Satan, a demon, to buffet me. Concerning this thing, I practiced, I I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace, remember the definition of grace, my enabling power. My grace, my enabling power. Is sufficient for you, Paul. He that's within you is greater than everything, than that demon that's harassing you. My grace, my enabling power, the word grace isn't just to be able to go through it and say, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. Well, yeah, there are times that we suffer. But I can tell you this his enabling power is sufficient to have. The, Do you know you can do, according to the book of Ephesians, exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you've ever asked or thought, according to the power that dwells within you? That covers a lot of breath, I can tell you that. So, Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I have God's grace as enabling power. Now, what if someone dies believing for a miracle? first of all, we don't know everything. Otherwise, we'd be God. That's why Deuteronomy 29.29 says, the secret things belong to our Lord, to our God. But I am responsible to believe what I know. My job is to be a God pleaser. Without faith, I cannot please God i am doing my job i'm a god pleaser i don't have to understand every everything but i did find a scripture that might give you a little peace because i have a good friend in fact he was my best friend who died of cancer and he understood the promises of god and i remember questioning why did this happen and i remember others saying Well, if he couldn't be healed, how can I be healed? And that's a valid thing to question. But but listen to this in Isaiah 57.1 in the New Living Translation. Good people pass away, but godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or even wonder why. No one seems to understand. I can see God saying in a Jewish way, no one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. We have one responsibility, to be a believer. And I'm going to tell you something. On my tombstone, if I don't get uh, raptured like Enoch before, I wanted to say he had faith. I don't want to say he did my great miracles, because it's God who does the great miracles, not me, not you. He had faith. It gets so simple when you trust God. It gets too complex any other way. But I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this. I have seen so many people healed of so many things that I have faith that nothing is impossible for our God. And I'm telling you this. There's someone whose wrist hurts or is damaged in some way or even carpal tunnel or arthritis in the fingers. You are healed in Jesus' name. Uh, What about using doctors? I suggest you do. You know why? They'll keep you alive until you believe enough for God to heal you. I'm all for doctors. They can't heal you, but they can keep you alive until God heals you. Uh, Very important to know the difference between a healing and a miracle. A healing is a gradual miracle. A miracle is an instant healing. Don't throw your healing out with the dirty wash water and miss your manifestation. You see, it's very important to understand you need the Spirit of God when you speak the words of God. The best way to have the Spirit of God being with the words of God, this is found in Genesis chapter 1. That's a good place to start. It says, in the beginning was God, and then it said, that God, Spirit moved on the waters and then it says God spoke. So you need the Spirit and then you have to speak the promise of God. But how do you speak always in the Spirit? I have found a way to be in the Spirit 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You see a lot of people don't realize that the Spirit of God is within you, or as Jesus put it in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you, in your heart. And John seven thirty-eight says, from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. In other words, your Spirit of God is down here in your stomach. And you're, it's in your heart, but it's 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 not your natural heart. It's right in your innermost being. That's what Jesus said. In your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so what I have found is if you can imagine an old-fashioned well, and a bucket, and the string, and you, and you, and you know you you uh, roll that pulley, you you wind the rope uh, uh, down and the bucket goes down into that well so you get that nice spring water. Well, I can imagine dropping down all the way to my spirit and staying there. And you know what I found? When I do that and I'm listening to a speaker, my spirit starts jumping but all the time. But if I don't do that, it'll jump once in a while. So I have trained myself to drop all the way down to my spirit and stay there as all, all the time, really. And the last bit of advice is never, ever give up. Never give up. Patience is important. Recognize you're in a fight. First Timothy says, "Fight the good fight of." faith. That's the fight. It's against the devil and it's in the faith arena. It's not with flesh and blood. It's with spiritual principalities and powers uh, of darkness. And so Le- Luke 8.15 in the Amplified said, but as for that seed, and the seed is the word of God, as for that word, you have to have it in the good soil or in your heart And these are the people who, hearing the word, hold it fast in a just, noble, and virtuous, and worthy heart and steadily bring forth fruit with patience. So through faith and patience, you will inherit the promises. And faith is very, very bold. You see, faith is spelled R I. S K risk. Faith is taking a risk. I I can tell you that if I say someone's healed of a backache, this is a real simple risk for you. You just stand up, you bend over, or your neck ache, or you bend your neck like this, and you'll find out you're healed. Now if you have to do it in front of someone, there's a greater risk. Or if you have what's known as a word of knowledge, like I do, and you do it in front of, a, of an audience, then there's an even greater risk. But faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Now the sixth is authority. And guess what? This is how much authority you have. Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. You see it's delegated authority. This is how much you have all, Jesus is speaking, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he delegates and he says, go therefore. Why? Because all authority has been given to Jesus. Jesus is inside of you. So you operate in all authority. It's like a traffic placement. You hold your hand up there and you blow a whistle and see if you can stop a car speeding at you. You can't, but you have the authority and that car stops. That's the authority you have in the invisible world. The devil is scared of you. He's afraid of you. He's a fraidy he cat. He's going to keep harassing you as long as he thinks you're going to bite. He's a big bully. Well, you you tell that big bully, you blow your whistle. And by the way, you blow your whistle by saying, Jesus, that's how you blow your whistle. And he's at you and he, he stops. Resist the devil and he will run as in fear. Now, I, I don't know if I'm going to finish. However, if I don't, we'll give you the address of my website and you just go to the website and you'll, you'll have the rest of this. But uh, the seventh principle, God says never fails. It's called love. I remember an old prophet who is now in heaven. And this is the words he would always say to people. Have you learned to love? As if to say, if you've done all these great things in this life, and you haven't learned to love, you've kind of missed the whole purpose of what you were supposed to do in this life. And then I had a guest, and he made a very profound statement. Don't just love someone by thinking, oh, I love them, I love them, I love them. No. Tell them what you love about them. How would you like someone walking up to you and saying, you know, I really like it, the way you take care of your elderly mother? Uh, you really are an unusual person. Rather than think it, start saying that when you see something in their life that uh, you you can compliment them on. Start doing that. And if you want to know what love looks like, read the definition. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 8. But I love chapter 14 of that 1 Corinthians, verse 1, which says, make love in the Amplified. Make love your great quest. Uh, That's either the Amplified or the New Living Translation. Make love your great, great quest. God's definition of love, and you should meditate on this every day. Love endures long. I endure long. I am patient. I am kind. I'm not envious. I don't boil over with jealousy. I'm not boastful. I'm not arrogant or inflated with pride. I'm not rude. or I I don't act unbecomingly. Uh, I don't insist on my own rights. You should work on that, not you. Remember what I'm doing? i got three fingers pointed at me right now. Galatians 5, 6 says why love is so important. It says faith is activated and energized and expressed. And working through love. Ephesians 4 tells us be very very careful of what you speak. In the New Living Translation it says, everything I say is good and helpful so that all my words are an encouragement to those who hear them. And in Ephesians 4 29 in the Message Bible it says, I say only what helps. Each of my words are a gift. Isn't that great? Every word you say is a gift. Guard your eyes. Guard your ears. Guard your mouth. Why? Everything you hear, see, uh, everything you listen to, it'll grow like leaven. Be careful what you let inside. It has a life of its own. Uh, That's why God tells us in Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what do you want to be? Do you want to be what's on the news or do you want to be like Jesus? You really have the choice. I found myself, Tom, well, I'll tell you what, if, if you go to our webpage, we'll put it up right now. I'm going to continue the rest of these points, but I urge you to get our Healing Scriptures package available for an investment of $25, uh, and it is an investment because he who wins souls is wise, and that's the purpose of its supernatural. We want to be wise. How about you? call our order only line 1-800-447-2697. 447 2697 Okay, you're ready for the eighth nugget that is going to be life-changing for you. Tongues. I heard some great men and women of God say tongues are not as important as people say it is. Well, it was very important to Paul. You know what Paul said? I speak in tongues more than any man. What did Paul do? He wrote most in the New Testament. Very important to Paul. Uh, here's the exact quote. I thank my God, 1 Corinthians 14:18. I speak with tongues more than you all. Acts 6, 4 tells us what the early church prayed. Listen to this. In the original Greek, it makes a difference. But we, that's the apostles, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. But in the Greek, it says, to the prayer. What do you think the prayer that Paul was talking about in Acts in 6-4 Acts after he said he spoke in tongues more than any man? Obviously, the prayer was speaking in tongue. Have you ever heard of Reese Howe? Uh, Reese Howells was probably one of the greatest intercessors. He wrote a book on intercessory prayer. Here's a quote. Reese Howells' secretary said about him that one thing that always stood out about him is that he always knew what to do in situations because he constantly spoke in tongues and therefore was continually flowing in the will of God. He didn't have to go pray for hours because he prayed in the spirit continuously. Have you ever read Romans 8, 28? All things work together for good? Huh, did you ever read the two verses before that? If you speak in tongues. Uh, I can tell you this as a new Jewish believer, I spoke in tongues for hours every day. In fact, you may know a uh, Jewish voice, Jonathan Bernus. The two of us used to get together and spend an entire day praying in tongues. I believe he prophesied his ministry and I prophesied my ministry with perfect faith. Why do I say perfect faith? I couldn't tell what I was praying. I was praying in an unknown tongue. That's what made it unknown. And therefore it was perfect faith. It was not only perfect faith, but it was perfect prayers. I like praying perfect prayers. That means, and not only that, I don't even believe the devil understood what I was saying because otherwise he would have stopped what I was doing, but I was praying. By God, perfect prayers, perfect faith, my whole future. I I, I interviewed a woman uh, that was uh, kidnapped at a shopping mall. And and, uh, I forgot the exact number, something like 18 women that had her same description, uh, this same guy kidnapped, raped, and murdered. Well, she started praying in tongues. This guy ended up being a believer and giving himself up. I'm going to tell you something. Tongues is bigger than what you thought it was. And that's why the devil doesn't want you praying in tongues. I heard this story about Kenneth Hagin from his son. His son said one day he was watching uh, football with his dad. And he looked at his dad and his dad's going, he's praying in tongues. And his son looked at him, he said, Dad, let's just kind of cool it. Let's just have fun. This is football. Uh, why are you praying in tongues? He said, I pray in tongues all the time. Sound familiar? Sounds like Paul. <laughs> How would you like to have a, a ministry like Kenneth Hagin had? How would you like to have a ministry like Paul had? How would you like to have a ministry like Jonathan Burness has? How would you like to have a ministry like Sid Roth has? Well, I just told you my secret. It wasn't my secret. It's in the Word of God. When you pray in tongues, it says you edify yourself. Do you know what, and and that's 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 14, verse 4. It's like in the Greek, it's a dead battery. Have you ever had a car with a dead battery? You better charge that battery up or your car isn't going to function. Well, here's the truth. Most Christians are walking around with big heads, gigantic heads, and anemic, tiny spirits. The word edify is charge, build up. You have a muscle. You put it in, in a sling for the next 20 years, even though you have a nice arm, it'll be atrophied. You won't be able to use it, even though you have a wonderful spirit. If you're not using it, the way you charge your spirit, it tells us right in the Word of God, the way you edify your spirit is to pray in tongues. You know, someone that's trying to silence you from doing that? Of course you do. And if you've never prayed in tongues, if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit. Sorry, you can't come to Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And you have, you may not have, not all speak in tongues, it says Corinthians, in the church it's talking about. Not all have the public gift, but Paul said, I pray you all would speak in tongues. And I believe that everyone can have that private devotional prayer language. And because people don't understand there's different types of tongues, sort of like you don't follow baseball rules for football. It's stupid. It's stupid. You don't follow the public thing in a church, in a congregation, the rules for that, as your private prayer devotional. That's what gets people so confused. The ninth nugget, praise and worship. Have you ever seen Benny Hinn? Do you know what he does before the miracles break out? He worships God. Have you ever seen video footage of Catherine Coleman? Do you know what she would do before the miracles broke out? The whole congregation is one; would worship God. Uh, you want to get silence the enemy in your life? Here's how: Psalm eight, verse two, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength, because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So, how do you silence the enemy and the avenger? You got to read the Anointed Commentary on Psalm 82, it's found in Matthew 21, 16, it says out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. So now let me read this to you. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise to silence the enemy. Praise silences the enemy. You have fear, praise God. You have worry, praise God, because it's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of worry. And when you praise God well, you silence the enemy in your life. Hebrews 13, 15 sums it up. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. Uh, I like it, my friend Don Gossett likes to say, you have to have an attitude of gratitude. Psalm 100 verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Bless the name of the Lord. Thankfulness removes all stress from your life. Don't have a pity party. Have a thankfulness party. The next pity party you have, turn it into a thankfulness party. You say, I don't know what to thank God for. You thank him that you're alive. You thank him that you know him. You thank him you're going to spend eternity with him. You thank him that he loves you. You thank him uh, that he's with you constantly. You, you you can find all sorts of things. It, it's nonstop once you start concentrating on him rather than on yourself. The tenth, and this is a very fascinating principle, communion. You see, a lot of people don't know the historical Uh, context when Jesus taught communion at the last Passover supper, or we call it the Seder. You see, he had the bread and he had the wine. And he says, as often as you do this, you're reminding yourself of what I did for you. So are you supposed to do it once a week at church, once a month at church, once a year at church, only at church? No. No. What Jesus was talking about is what they did three times a day. They didn't have water. Water was bad back then. Uh, They drank wine and they ate bread at every meal. So he says, as often as you have your bread and wine, remember what it stands for. Remember what I did for you. And what I have found is when you take communion according to the word of God, there is physical healing. But we look for the miracle rather than the healing. And when we don't have that instant miracle, we toss out that healing. Here's what I want you to do the next time you take communion. And by the way, you can take communion at every meal if you so desire. Well, you say, Sid, you have to be a priest. Well, you do. The Bible says if you're born again, you are a priest. There you go. Wherever you are, you can have communion. And when you take that communion, believe that you are a little bit more healed each time that you take communion. Well, I don't know about you, but I am so filled with the presence of the living God. I behold the Lord constantly. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved you shall not be moved. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith for you, and I believe true miracles are going to happen right now. Are you ready to receive? And what you have to do, faith without a corresponding action is dead. You have to have an action. Remember the lepers, as they went to the priest to say they were healed. As they went, they were healed. Not instantly, but as they went. So therefore. I want you to believe the minute I pray the healing of God is in you, and many of you will have a miracle that's an instant healing, or have a healing that's a gradual miracle. Are you ready? I want you to do something, especially the people with arthritis in your fingers. Start moving your fingers, your hands. Whatever part of your body you have a problem with, your heart, put your hand on your heart. A problem with your kidney, put your hand on your kidney. So many problems, you don't have enough hands. Just believe it. Put your hand, lay your hands on yourself, because it says uh, that those who lay hands on the sick will recover. That's what, in the name of Jesus. That's what God's word says. And you said that He said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's where we are as believers, right? You ready? I'm going to hold my hands up, and I am believing. That although we're we're tapping into eternity, where there's no time, where the God says by His stripes, you were healed, you were w e r e. It's already happened. Whatever you need right now, don't you dare miss this moment of your visitation. I tell you, let every man be a liar, but God's word is true, 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 true. By His stripes, you were healed. In Yeshua's name, I command that spirit of infirmity to be bound until a headache is just gone from you. Migraines will never come back. I command that spirit of infirmity to leave you in Jesus' name. I command healing. There It's like a river. That river is pouring into you right now. Wherever that river goes, the life of God is going. It's pouring in throughout your whole body. It's all, every uh, blood disease, it's gone in Jesus' name. Cancer, you must bow in Jesus' name. Be whole, be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697 or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural!, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free. Our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV Network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.